Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and go with me to the book of Daniel chapter 4. The book of Daniel chapter 4. And if you would please just mark your Bible there. Maybe just leave it open there, stick, stick a finger in there to mark it, whatever you need to do. So it'll take me just a few minutes to get to Daniel chapter 4, but we will eventually get there as we continue today this series I started last week called One Nation Under God. But I just want to add a question mark to that title today and ask, are we truly, are we really one nation under God? In case you haven't noticed, our culture in this nation seems to be becoming more and more paganized. We, we are truly becoming more and more like a modern-day Babylon. You remember in the book of Daniel that Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, amongst many others, were, were taken captive out of Israel and into Babylonian captivity. They, they were placed into a pagan culture in Babylon. But even in that pagan culture, Daniel was still very influential. Daniel and his friends still had a positive influence on that culture and not from isolation. Let me say that again. Not from isolation. Because that's the way that some people think is the only way that we can have an effect on this culture is to separate ourselves from this culture. No, we are never going to impact this culture by retreating from this culture. But God wants to use you and me to do what Jesus called us to do. He wants us to be salt, to make things better, and he wants us to be light in order to make things brighter. Listen to this passage of Scripture here in John chapter 17, verse 15. Jesus says, My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. You see, it is not God's will that you and I retreat from culture, it's not God's will that you and I hide from culture because if we're not careful, we can have somewhat of a fort mentality where we as the church just kind of hide in our buildings and try to stay as far away from sinners as we possibly can. But that's not God's will for us. Jesus prayed and said, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one who is in the world. And then he goes on in verse 16 and says, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And that's where the real challenge is, isn't it? The real challenge is, how do we live in the world and not be part of the world? 
Look at this statement here that I'm going to put on the screen. That says, we either set the culture or we reflect the culture. That's just another way of saying that we are either a thermostat or we're a thermometer. Because a thermostat sets the temperature in the room. A thermometer only reflects what the temperature of the room is. God does not want you and me to be thermometers, reflecting culture. God wants you and I to be thermostats, setting, influencing culture. Amen? Influencing our culture. So we either set the culture or we reflect the culture. Again, Jesus prayed that they are not of this world, even as I am not of the world. So what we've got to do is we've got to learn how do we live godly lives in an ungodly culture? How can we be salt and make things better? How can we be light and make things brighter? I'm going to talk more about that next week. But today what I want to do is I want to reveal the Spirit that is behind all ungodliness and all sin in this world. I believe that's part of my calling as a pastor. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 11. That says we are not to participate in the fruitless deeds of darkness. But that we rather are to expose them. I'm going to expose a spirit today. And I believe it's a spirit that needs to be exposed so that we will recognize and reject that spirit when it tries to take you and I into bondage. And, and the spirit that I want to expose today, I refer to as the spirit of Babylon or the Babylonian mentality. Now, you remember that Daniel and his friends were taken into Babylon, literally. It was a physical location. Today, that same dirt is referred to as Iraq. But I submit to you this morning that Babylon is not just a locality. Babylon is a mentality. It is a spirit. And it is a spirit that has its root in the biggest lie that Satan has ever told. It's a lie that he told at the very beginning of time to convince and to deceive Adam and Eve to sin. And Satan's biggest lie is this. His biggest lie is, hey, I'm all about you. But God, God is all about himself. That's his biggest lie. Satan would say to you, I want you to have whatever it is you want. I want you to have whatever it is you desire, whether it's good for you or whether it's destructive for you. If your flesh desires it, I want you to have it. And may I say that Satan has wagered all his bets on our self-interests. That Satan knows that if he can come along promising to promote self, that he has a strong chance of winning. 
And that's the biggest lie that he's ever told, and it's a lie that people are still falling for today. I'm all about you, but God, God is all about himself. Let's look at what that spirit looks like here in Genesis chapter 11, verse 4. You remember this group of people who had come together to build themselves a city, and in that city they were going to build a tower that would reach to the heavens. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. And then they tell us even why they want to build this city and tower. So that we may make a name for ourselves. It was all about them. They had fallen for the lie that Satan is all about us. And God is all about himself. So we're going to build something that we may make a name for ourselves. And then you go down several verses to verse 9. And it says that is why this city and tower was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. We get our word Babylon from this word Babel. And it means confusion. It is, it is a, 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 a mindset that is so deranged. It, it's insanity that leads to a life of confusion and chaos. And may I say to you this morning that anytime you choose a way other than God's way, all it's going to produce in your life is confusion and chaos. Confusion and chaos in your individual life. Confusion and chaos. When you say that I'm going to build my life my way, it's going to end up confusion and chaos. When you build your marriage your way, it's going to end up in confusion and chaos. When you build your family your way apart from God, it's going to end up in confusion and chaos. If we try to build a community or a nation on ourselves, it's going to end up with confusion and chaos. No wonder there's so much confusion and chaos in our nation and in our world today. It's because we have fallen for this lie. And we've been taken into bondage by this Babylonian paganized spirit. It is, it is, it is a, a spirit of insanity. It is, it is a, a spirit of a deranged mind. Do you remember what Habakkuk talked about in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4? We looked at it just a few weeks ago when we were in our series on Habakkuk. He said, look at the proud. They trust in themselves and as a result of that, their lives are a mess. Their lives are crooked. Their lives, their, their lives are full of confusion and chaos. Go to the last book of your Bible. You see, we see this spirit of Babylon. We see it at the beginning of our Bibles. We see it in the middle of our Bible. We see it at the end of our Bible. We even see that that spirit is still alive and well today. But look at the last book of your Bible in Revelation chapter 17 verse 5. In chapters 17 and 18, God is destroying, coming against this spirit of Babylon. 
And, and actually, in chapter 18, listen to this. You need to go home and read it, Revelation 17 and 18. God even talks about how this spirit has worked its way into the church. To where now at the church, it's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's, it's all about what I like. It's all about what I want to happen and not so much about what God wants to happen. And if we're not careful, church can become all about us and not anything about God. Somebody help me preach here this morning because that's truth whether we like it or not. But he said this about Babylon the Great. He said the name written on her forehead was a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. Did you see that? This is the spirit where all ungodliness and all sin has its root. Notice, it says it right there. The mother of prostitutes, the mother of the abominations of the earth. Go to the middle book of your Bible in Isaiah chapter 47. And in every chapter of your Bible, if you have a Bible like this, at the top of that chapter, there is a heading that tells you what that chapter is about. And at the heading of Isaiah chapter 47, it says this, the fall of Babylon. And so that's what Isaiah 47 is about. It's about the fall of Babylon. And notice what the scripture says here in verse 8. Now then, listen, you lover of pleasure, lounging in your security, and may I add self-security. Because that's where a lot of people's security comes from. That's why you have so many insecure people. It's because their security comes from something temporary rather than something eternal. And he says, listen, you lover of pleasure, lounging in your self-security and saying to yourself, I am and there is none besides me. And notice they take some things for granted. I will never be a widow or suffer the loss of children. Then the Lord speaks to them and says, Both of these will overtake you in a moment, on a single day. Loss of children and widowhood. Listen, let us never think that just because we live in the United States of America and call ourselves one nation under God. Let us never take for granted that we cannot lose what we have. Because we can the moment that we forget God and the moment that we abandon God. He said, they will come upon you in full measure in spite of your many sorceries and all of your potent spells. You have trusted in your wickedness and have said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and knowledge mislead you when you say to yourself, I am and there is none besides me. Right there you see the motto of this mentality. Right there you see the motto of this spirit. The motto of Babylon is I am and there is none besides me. I am, and there is none besides me. And what does this spirit do? This spirit always elevates self. Always elevates self, which shows up in a number of different ways in our lives. First of all, it shows up in self 
adoring. We have never lived in a generation that adored itself more than this generation that we live in right now. We are a selfie generation, aren't we? Got to get it just right. Self-adoration. But not only does it reveal itself as self-adoration, it always shows up as self-building. Just like those who came together in Genesis chapter 11 and said, we're going to build for ourselves a city. We are going to build for ourselves. We don't need God to help us. I don't need God to help me build my life. I don't need God to help me build my marriage. I don't need God to help me build my family. I don't need God to help me build my church. I don't need God to help me build a nation. We've become a self-building generation. Self-adoring, self-building, and self-indulging. If it feels good, do it. If you want it, Take it. God wouldn't have given you that desire if he would not have wanted you to fulfill that desire any way that you choose to fulfill it. And the problem with self-indulgence is it's never enough. You can never be satisfied. You've always got to have more and more and more and more. If you don't believe that this is the spirit that is prevalent in this world, including this nation, in the last days, go read 2 Timothy chapter 3. I've quoted this passage several times over the last few weeks. What did Timothy say, in, or what did Paul say in 2 Timothy 3 and 1? He said, in the last days, difficult, perilous times are going to come. And he said, the one characteristic that you can look for is this. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. And then he goes on and says, they'll be covetous, they'll be boasters, they'll be proud, they'll be blasphemers, they will be heady, they will be high-minded, they will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. I'm telling you, church, that is the spirit that is prevalent in this nation today. And it is a spirit that needs to be exposed, and it is a spirit that needs to be confronted, and it is a spirit, listen to me, that needs to be out in Jesus' name. Somebody help me right there and give God a good praise. But not only is it a spirit that elevates self, it's a spirit that lowers God. Because you can't elevate yourself without lowering God. And what does the devil say? The enemy says things like, well, God doesn't love you. If, if God really loved you, then he, he would be all about you and not all about himself. If God really loved you, he would, he would want you to have everything that you want. If God really loved you, that he wouldn't hold anything back from you if God really loved you. But not only that, he also says God isn't for me. God isn't for me. God is mean. God is against me. God is cruel. If, if not, he would not have allowed these things to happen in my life. And not only that, God isn't for me in the sense that he's old-fashioned. He, he's irre irrelevant. He, he, he may have worked 2,000 years ago, but, but, but he doesn't work today. Self-adoring, self, -adoring, self 
building. And, and, and not only that, but, but, but when he talks about, about lowering God and, and, and God doesn't love us and God isn't for us, thirdly, he, he would say that God just wants too much from me. And he, he tries to convince people of that. God just wants too much from me. God wants me to live a holy life. God wants me to live a separated life. God, God wants me to live a life free of sin. God wants me to be sanctified. God wants me to be separated. God, God just wants too much from me. See, you can, never, you, you can never elevate self without lowering God. And that's the deception of this spirit. This spirit knows that if it can be all about you, then God will be taken out of the equation. That in our nation, that if it's all about us, then God will be out of the equation. And I'm concerned that instead of being one nation under the influence of God, we are fastly becoming a nation under the influence of our pagan culture. Let me show you this morning somebody who personifies this. Now we get to Daniel chapter 4. And it's a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. He's the one who took Daniel and his friends into captivity. And listen to what Nebuchadnezzar says in verse 4. He said, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented, and, and may I add, without God, contented and prosperous. Look at who I am. Look at what I have. Look at what I've done. He is the epitome of a Babylonian mentality. The Babylonian spirit. But he has a dream. And in this dream, God shows him a tree that had grown to an enormous size. I mean, it had grown so tall that the description was that it had grown to the heavens. And that you could see this tree from miles around. But not only had the tree grown tall, the, the tree had, had grown wide. Its branches had grown so far that animals could come and dwell in the shade and birds would come and build their nest in its branches. Its, its leaves were green and the tree was full of fruit. And get this, this is how big the tree was. That there was enough fruit and food from the tree to feed the whole world. Describing Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. But then Nebuchadnezzar sees a messenger in his dream. And the messenger comes and chops down the tree. Leaving only a stump. And then the messenger shows him one who as a human became deranged in their minds. And ended up living outdoors with the dew falling upon them and eating grass for seven years. Eating grass like a wild animal. And so this dream troubled him and he, he called for his wise men and he called for his magicians and, and they could not interpret the dream. Oh, but there was a man of God by the name of Daniel. 
And the king called for Daniel because he knew that Daniel had interpreted dreams in the past. It's just another opportunity for Daniel to be an influencer for God in a pagan culture. And Daniel, after hearing the dream, at first he doesn't want to interpret the dream for the king because it's such bad news, and he was afraid it might cost him his life. But if there's one thing I appreciate about Daniel, and we'll talk a little bit more about this next week, I appreciate his courage. Because knowing that the interpretation could have cost him his life, he spoke the truth. And here's what he said. He said, Your Majesty, you are that tree. In other words, God had blessed and prospered your kingdom. You are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky. And your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. You will be driven away from people. And you, Nebuchadnezzar, will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times or seven years will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. And then he goes on and says, the command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots. I love this means that your kingdom will be restored. Somebody here this morning needs to know that just because you failed doesn't mean you're a failure and that God is done with you. God never digs up the stump with its roots connected to it. God always leaves a stump which says there's always hope for restoration. There's always hope for your life to be rebuilt. There's always hope for your marriage to be restored. There's always hope for your family to be restored. There's always hope for your business to be restored. There's always hope for a nation to be restored. Thank God he leaves a stump. And the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored. But only when you acknowledge that heaven rules, that it's not about you, Nebuchadnezzar, that it wasn't you that built what you have, that it's because of God that you have what you have. What did Nebuchadnezzar do? Did he heed the word? Nope, he did not. He did not listen. And we find him going out and looking at all that he had built, and he said, everything that I have built I built with my own power. He had that Babylon mentality. He had that Babylon spirit that says, I am, and, 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 and I don't need anybody else. I am, and there is none besides me. I built all of this. And everything that God said would happen to him if he did not acknowledge God. Everything he said would happen, happened to him. He lost his kingdom. He ended up out in the field, dew falling on him and eating grass for seven years like a wild animal. But then notice what happened when the seven
seven years had passed. At the end of that time, Nebuchadnezzar said, I, Nebuchadnezzar, I raised my eyes toward heaven. Oh, that's what somebody needs to do here in this room today. I believe that's what the United States of America needs to do today. We need to raise our eyes back toward heaven. If we want to be restored to the nation that God has called us to be, it starts when we raise our eyes toward heaven. And he said, when I raised my eyes toward heaven, my sanity was restored. Remember what I said about that Babylonian spirit? That it's a spirit of insanity. That it's a spirit of a deranged mind. But he said, the moment that I looked back toward heaven, my sanity was restored. God's getting ready to restore some sanity in this nation. God's getting ready to bring some, some order out of the chaos. Amen? Amen. He said, I raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then he said, I praised. Oh, I bet he did. I bet he did praise him. He said, then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. Listen, every kingdom on this earth is a temporary kingdom, but the kingdom of God will will endure forever. His kingdom will never come toppling down. His kingdom will never be defeated. And may I tell you today, I'm proud to be a part of the United States of America, but more than that, I am a part of the kingdom of Almighty God and His kingdom. It will endure forever. Somebody, somebody just give Him a little bit of praise right there. Hallelujah. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. Let me say that again. He does as he pleases with the power and the peoples of this earth. I'm sure many of you have already made up your mind who you're going to be voting for on November 3rd. I've already made up my mind. But here's what I've decided. It don't matter who the president is. God can still get his work done. It doesn't matter who our leader is. God can still get his will done. You do understand God. God is sovereign, and God does as he pleases with powers of heaven and peoples of the earth. Mm. No one can hold back his hand and say to him, what have you done? At the same time, he said that my sanity was restored, my honor and my splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom, my advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became, I love this, even greater than before. Telling you this nation can be greater than it has ever been before. When we do the same things that Nebuchadnezzar did, your life can be greater than your life has ever been before. I know I keep saying it. Your marriage can be better than it's ever been before. Your family can be better than it's ever been before. Our community can be better than it's ever been before. Your company can be better than it's ever been before. When you do what Nebuchadnezzar did. So what did he do? Three things. And Josh, if you'll come out and help me. Three things. And we've got to turn these into I will statements because these are three things we all 
need to do today if we have been deceived by this lie and overtaken by this spirit. I am. I am. And I don't need anybody else. I am. I do what pleases me. It's a spirit. And if we're going to overcome it, we got to do three things. Number one, we got to say this. We got to say, I will acknowledge God. I will acknowledge God. That's exactly what Nebuchadnezzar did. Notice he said, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, I pray and I exalt and I glorify the King of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. You see, Nebuchadnezzar had to come to that place to where he says, God, you're right. I didn't have nothing to do with all this. The only reason I am who I am and the only reason I have what I have is because of who you are, God. Listen, listen to what the Apostle Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. He said, what are you so puffed up about? What do you have that God hasn't given you? There's a good question right there. You know what I have that God hasn't given me? Nothing. Everything I have was given to me by God. So he goes on and says, and if all you have is from God, then why act as though you are so great and as though you have accomplished something on your own? You see, folks, it's not about us. We would have nothing. We would be nothing if it were not for God. And we need to acknowledge that. Somebody sitting here right now, you need to acknowledge that. And you need to just take a, a little praise break right now and just say, God, thank you. Thank you, God. I acknowledge that you're the reason I'm blessed. I acknowledge that you're the reason I'm protected. I acknowledge, God, that you're the reason why I'm prosperous. It's all because of you, God. But not only, not only do we need to acknowledge God, say, I will acknowledge him. We also got to say, I will exalt God. As a matter of fact, would you just stand with me right here? We need to get God back in his rightful place. You know, as top 10, we know as the Ten Commandments starts by saying, You shall have no other gods before me. We need to put God back in his rightful place. We need to exalt him. And I exalt thee. Would you do that? I exalt thee. I exalt thee. Oh 
come on, don't just sing it. Make it your prayer right now. Oh, I exalt thee. We put you back in your place, God. I exalt thee. For thou, O Lord, art high above all the earth. Yes, he is. Thou art exalted far above all gods. Say that with me. For thou, O Lord, you are high above all the earth. Yes, you are, God. Thou art exalted far above, far above all other gods. There's not even any other gods. God, you're the only God. Come on, sing it. And I. Yes, I. Oh, right now, God's bringing some order into your life right now. God's bringing some peace into your life right now. Hallelujah. We exalt you, Lord. Oh. When I will exalt you, my God and King. I will praise your name forever and ever. We got to acknowledge God. We've got to exalt God back to his rightful place. And that leaves one thing left that we've got to do that Nebuchadnezzar did. We got to humble ourselves. That's what Nebuchadnezzar discovered. Back in that last passage of scripture, he says that those who walk in pride, this is Nebuchadnezzar, he is able to humble. How many of you know God is able to humble? But here's the good news. The good news is Peter tells us that we can humble ourselves. You're going to get humbled one way or another. You either humble yourself or God will humble you, which turns into, as Nebuchadnezzar discovered, humiliation.
I don't want to be humiliated by God. I'm going to humble myself. And notice what he said. He said, humble yourselves therefore under God. We once more truly need to be one nation under God. Humble ourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Let me tell you what humility is not. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. It's just thinking of yourself less and thinking of God more. Humble yourself. Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. Then will I forgive their sins. Then will I heal their land. But it starts with humility. The greatest advice anybody ever gave me when I was a young man starting in ministry. Dusty, it's when an old-fashioned preacher at a camp meeting over on the Church of God campground came over to me and he said this. He said, son, I know you're young and you're getting started in ministry. He said, listen to me. He said, stay low. Stay low. Keep yourself humbled before God. He said, because if you stay low, you can never fall from that position. If you stay low. Church, we got to stay low. I guess I'm trying to say it like this. Standing strong in a pride-inflated culture begins face down. Face down. That's what we're going to do tonight at 6 o'clock. Inviting everybody that can to come and join us. I believe that this is a very important prayer event that we've called tonight. To pray for our nation, to pray for the leaders of our nation, to pray for other things in our nation that we need to be bringing before God in prayer. We got to stay low. And the best, best way to stay low is to stay on your knees, stay on your face before God in prayer. Because God needs to hear from us, and we need to hear from God. Now, before I let you go this morning, I just need to make sure that there's not anybody in this room that has decided your way over God's way. Because I can guarantee you that if you're here this morning and if you've chosen your way over God's way, your life is full of confusion. Your life is full of chaos and everything connected to your life is full of confusion and chaos. But I feel the Spirit of the Lord in this room right now. Saying that if you will just acknowledge God in your heart today. If you will just acknowledge God. If you will just humble yourself. And exalt God to be first and foremost in your life. Then God can give you peace. In the place of your chaos. And your confusion today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, I just got to ask this question. Is there anybody here in this room today that would say, Pastor, I've tried it my way. My life is a mess. 
It's full of chaos. It's full of confusion. And today, I'm ready to go God's way. I'm ready to make an about face. I'm ready to stop headed in the direction that I've been going. And I'm ready to turn and do things God's way. Can I see your hand this morning? Is there anybody here this morning? Yes. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Yes, 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 yes. Several hands. Probably ten hands that are going up this morning. Listen, all you've got to do today is just recognize Jesus for who he is. Jesus is the Son of God. Matter of fact, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now, a prayer of salvation. Come on, I want everybody in the room to pray it with me, but especially those of you that just lifted up your hand. Today is the day. Today is the day for your confusion, your chaos to come to an end. Just say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you lived a perfect, sinless life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you were placed in a tomb. But I believe that three days later you rose again. And that you are alive today. And that you are seated at the right hand of God the Father. I believe that in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that you are Lord, that you are God, and there is none other. I surrender my life to you today. I want you to be my Lord. I receive everything that you did for me at Calvary. You said those that call on the name of the Lord will be saved I'm calling on you today Jesus save me save me hallelujah well I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message we here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles and we're seeing it on a weekly basis people's lives being transformed by the power of God being saved healed and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.